0: Each week, Richard and Father Mark present a rigorous discussion of the Bible in a format short enough for your morning commute, but long enough to be substantive, posing difficult
1: questions meant to keep you engaged. Over 24,000 episodes are downloaded each month at no charge. Please consider marking your level of support with a one-time donation or by pledging a small amount per episode. To learn more, please visit
0: patreon.com forward slash Bible. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash Bible. Thank you. Hi, this is Father Mark Boulos with the Bible as Literature podcast. Unfortunately, Christians often co-opt the Bible to justify philosophical axioms such as It is good to be humble, or It is wrong to boast It is good to be nice, or Cruelty is evil You get the point. We take the Bible, which turns human morality on its head, and we use it to justify the way that we think people should be. But in Paul's teaching, there is no way to be. On the contrary, there is a teaching to follow. And for that teaching, boasting can be as useful as humility and cruelty as helpful as kindness. Everything depends on our premise and the reference for our actions. Richard and I discuss 2 Corinthians chapter 10. You're listening to the Bible as Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos,
1: And this is Dr. Richard Benton.
0: And you are listening to episode 136 of the Bible as Literature podcast. Last week, when we talked about the reality of God, we explained how it's linked to the reality of the commandment. And then you preached a beautiful sermon this past Sunday, Richard, dealing with the same theme of the importance of the action. It's a central mechanism of... Of biblical education. And now we come to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and Paul is insisting on a different mechanism in that same system. There's the importance of the commandment, but there's something more foundational than the commandment, and that is submission to the premise of the authors of the Bible. Paul begins always with the premise that what he is sharing in his letter is from God. Paul is saying here in chapter 10, you have to be serious about my premise that this is divine. But if you don't read the story as though Paul has all authority and all power, you are not going to understand what Paul is saying, and that is exactly where he is with the church in Roman Corinth. He's questioning whether they really submit to the premise that his authority, because it comes from Jesus Christ, is immutable.
1: Christ keeps coming up. When Paul keeps using the word Christ, this is where story and teaching all come together. He's talking about the one who allowed himself to be crucified in order to do the will of God, the will of his Father. This is the story, this is the teaching, and this is the commandment all in one. So when Paul refers to Christ, he's not thinking of the guy. Because the guy, you can say whatever you want about the guy. Well, I think this about the guy. I think that about the guy. Oh, I like my boss. Oh, I think your boss is a jerk. Whatever. With Christ, it's about the story and his obedience. It is story and his commandment in one. This is a presupposition in the text that we should have in the forefront of our mind as we're reading this.
0: The postulation of Jesus Christ in Scripture is prescriptive. The New Testament isn't like a Western novel where you talk about how he walked in the room and this is what he looked like and this is what the setting was and his eyes were amazing. It doesn't talk that way. What it does do is prescribe instruction. So the reality of Jesus Christ is linked to the reality of the commandment. Now I, Paul, myself, urge you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I who am meek when face to face with you but bold towards you when absent." So, Paul is using his personality and juxtaposing it to the teaching. And he's going to use, as he does in 1 Corinthians, his unimpressive persona, his unimpressive presence, and he's going to juxtapose it to the majesty of his letters and the weightiness of his letters because with Paul, it's not about Paul. Paul's a human being. Paul's gonna die like everybody else. It's about the weightiness of the letter, of the content of the letter.
1: So what Paul is doing that may seem contradictory to the Corinthians is he's imposing a law on them, imposing a word on them from on high, but it's a word under which he sits. So he has to be obedient to the word just as much as his audience has to be obedient to the word. And this is where it can get confusing, because Paul doesn't preach in order to stay on high. Paul preaches so that the word is on high, but then he himself has to submit to it also. Now, evidently the Corinthians are confused by this, because this whole chapter is trying to clear up their confusion, because they don't get it. How is it that his word is so forceful... But then when he's with us, he's just submitting all the time. He's giving us whiplash. We're trying to figure out what Paul really is here. Is he really forceful or is he really meek? And he's saying, I'm both, get used to it. This past weekend at our church,
0: someone came up to me, a listener of the podcast, and was teasing me because a parishioner had brought baskets full of fruits and vegetables. And they were giving them out to people in the parish. And they had set aside some for me and my wife left early and had taken our allotment. And she was offering me more, and I took some. I said, I don't want to take it all. I, I want to be fair to the others. And so, when this other parishioner who's a listener was teasing me for the mark. I thought we're not supposed to be fair. But that's exactly what Paul is illustrating here, because the point of the teaching pressuring you not to demand fairness is a burden placed on your back for the sake of the others. That's the point Paul was making about equality. Obviously, everyone should share what they have, but you can't share with any expectation of getting your share. So I was trying to explain him, look, I'm taking away from me to give to you. If you want me to go back on the Amvon and be mean right now, I'll do it. But I'd rather come to you meekly and just let you have your share. Because when I'm on the Amvon preaching, I'm irrelevant, I have to say what the letter says. When I'm in the church hall and there's vegetables to be passed out, unless I have something to teach relative to the reading, I need to step in line. Now, what happens in the West is that everyone says, oh, how nice, the priest is in line just like everybody else. No, if you talk that way, you're under the influence of Satan because you have an entitlement mentality and you want to bring everyone down to your level the priest should take his place in line and the people should feel ashamed and it should be an unresolvable tension. If the people are at ease with the priest standing in line or only taking his fair share, then he should go to the front of the line. You see what I'm getting at? That's what Paul was saying in the last chapter. Everything is functional. Even what you call fairness and you hold up as a moral value can be totally turned on its head to serve destruction. So. That's what Paul is doing here. He's playing that game. I ask that when I am present, I need not be bold with the confidence with which I propose to be courageous against some who regard us as if we walked according to the flesh. Again, as I was saying, Paul wants to stand in the back of the line because he wants to have established a community where people understand that no one is entitled to anything, but if they still have the entitlement mentality, he's not gonna share the vegetables and he's gonna play the buffoon and stand in the front of the line.
1: And when he's standing in line, he's not standing there according to the flesh, meaning he's not standing there according to the reasons why you think. He's not standing there because he believes in democratic values. If he is standing there because he believes in democratic values, then, This is the fleshly teaching that you can get from CNN. If he's doing it according to the gospel, then he stands there in order to shame you because you realize that the one who is giving you the teaching is taking the same as you're taking. Doesn't make sense. He deserves the double portion because of what he's giving you. This is how you can see the same action but if you have the wrong presupposition if you're not formed by the gospel in your mind and in your heart then you will understand things incorrectly and you're going to understand them according to the flesh and this is the problem with the corinthians their mind is formed by roman values when in fact their minds need to be formed according to the gospel. And they get confused and Paul is trying to sort it out for them. That's the point of this letter.
0: Americans cannot understand the story of the merciful father, which English Bibles call the prodigal son, because they expect the father to get up from his chair and run down the road. Once you're in the mindset that you expect mercy, you
1: can't receive mercy. It's not merciful because it's just. If it's just, then you're right. We should give everything over to
0: the courts and throw everybody in prison under a certain income because that's where your justice leads. People don't get it. And what amazes me is people will complain about the abuses of our legal system, but embrace the very way of thinking that produces self-righteousness for it. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. So this is interesting because Paul is very eloquently drawing the line he always draws between the flesh and the spirit, and he's identifying himself with the flesh. And he's saying, I, Paul, who was once called Saul and not coming to destroy a building in Jerusalem. Because that's how you read the prophets, because you didn't understand the prophets. I, Paul, in the flesh, am coming to Jerusalem with the spiritual teaching to destroy the false spirit you have in your head.
1: When he comes in as meek, he's standing on the powerful letters and the powerful teaching that he's given them in order to undermine the teaching within their own heads. He's giving them the opportunity to think differently about what strength is and what weakness is. So when he comes in as weak, it's not weak as you understand weak. It's weak according to the Gospel, and like we were just saying, it's weakness that will undermine their understanding of what weakness means.
0: The new Ben-Hur movie in 2016 was produced by Christians from Roman Corinth because they're more excited about the chariot race than the birth of Jesus Christ that's the point Paul is making here. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. So as I said earlier, he is coming to conquer. He is taking captives, but he's not dealing with buildings and cities and this kind of nonsense. He's interested in conquering their hearts and minds with the teaching of Jesus Christ.
1: And he will be submissive when he has to in order to make his point. This is the thing that they get confused about. When the priest is submissive and stands at the back of the line, they think, huh, the priest is really submissive. So don't get excited when he gets submissive see his submission through the gospel and through the submission of Christ when we see Christ who's submissive we say oh Christ is so submissive isn't it wonderful even though he was God how humble he was it teaches us that we're supposed to be humble No, no 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 that's not what it means it means that what you are told to do You do, even if you're scared to do it, even if you're worried about it, even if it's unpleasant, even if it's going to kill you, you do it. You don't go to the back of the line because it's a good idea and it makes you look good. If you're scriptural,
0: sometimes you're small, sometimes you are large. Sometimes you are kind, sometimes you are ugly and cruel. And it makes no sense to people who don't understand your premise. This gets back to the point of the episode. You have to begin with Paul's premise that his reference is this teaching which is not human. You are looking at things as they are outwardly. If anyone is confident in himself that he is Christ's, let him consider this again within himself that just as he is Christ's, so also are we. The rain falls on the just and the unjust, so even if you think Paul is unjust, even if you think he's a weakling, who are you? Notice how everyone wants to judge Paul for being harsh or not being harsh or whatever. Who do you think you are?
1: When you see Paul, when you see the priest, when you see the one who's teaching you acting in a particular way, it's not your place to say, hmm, they don't seem to be following the teaching. Oh, now they seem to be following the teaching. Oh, but now they seem like they're not following the teaching. No, 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 that's not what it is. Because he's trying to fight against every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. So what you have to ask yourself, you yourself have to assume that your thought is against the knowledge of God. And then you look at the priest again and you say, what is the priest teaching about the gospel? How is the gospel being reinforced by what the priest is doing? What is the teaching that's coming from the priest? Understanding this and say, but wait a second. He's contradicting himself. Oh, wait a second. He was loud here, and he's quiet here I can't make heads or tails of the priest. No You can make heads and tails of the priest by taking the gospel as your basis and understanding that Christ was the one who submitted to God's will Assume that your priest is submitting to God's will and then wondering why you're rebelling against God's will Then You'll
0: learn otherwise you're gonna get a neck ache from swinging back and forth like a yo-yo Is he arrogant or is he not arrogant? Does he think he's important or does he think he's not important? Is he magisterial or is he a wimp, which is what they're saying about
1: Paul. No, Paul is not a schizophrenic. So if you're Christ's, assume that Paul is also Christ's, for heaven's sake. And then, based on that, to what law is Paul submitting? And then finally, why are you not submitting to that law? Because
0: you don't accept that scripture is divine. You are the fool in the Psalter who says there is no God, and that's why none of this makes sense to you. For even if I boast somewhat further about our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up and not for
1: destroying you, I will not be put to shame. Paul is teaching submission, and he's boasting. And people are saying, wait a second, Paul. I thought it was all about being humble. I thought it was all about being submissive and now you're all boasting and getting loud and getting on our case you can't be following the same laws you're preaching why aren't you practicing what you're preaching and he's saying our authority was given by God this is exactly what he was saying in the previous verse. when you see your priest acting in a particular way don't say oh the priest is not doing a good job say what is the priest teaching me? Why is the priest doing this? Why? And the funny thing is that
0: if you are a scriptural, even if the person doesn't know what they're doing, if you take that approach to life, it's just like judgment and suffering and everything else. You will learn. There is something to learn from everyone in every situation, even if they are clueless. If your teacher is wisdom. I don't mean that the way the egotists mean it, that, oh, everyone has their experience and they learn from it. No, I don't care about your experience. I care about what holds authority for you because what holds authority for you will shape your interpretation
1: of what you experience. And since Paul is saying that the teaching he received is divine and that Paul knows this teaching better than you do, then when he's boasting, and it seems like it's against his teaching, he's not going to feel ashamed for boasting because he's doing what he has to do. He's not going to feel ashamed and he will not be put
0: to shame. And that's why there's... An underlying threat that Paul is in a dogfight and he brings the weapons of righteousness and guess what he's
1: not going to lose even if you put him to death as soon as you think Paul should be meek he's going to boast and as soon as you think he's a tough guy he's going to submit and he's going to at every turn work to undermine what you think because what you think is against the knowledge of God For I do not wish to seem
0: as if I would terrify you by my letters. For they say, his letters are weighty and strong, but his personal presence is unimpressive, and his speech contemptible. And here contemptible doesn't mean that they're offended. That means that he's not a good orator. So they're confused. How could this wimp, who can't put two words together at a gathering to toast somebody, be the same guy who's writing these amazing letters? And Paul's comeback is, you morons, they're not my letters you don't get the message. You want to worship Paul. I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Jesus, blah, blah, blah. You still don't get the message.
1: I want to know if you accept that the Father of Jesus spoke a word and here it is. But this is what the test is because Paul can write something very strong and very convincing in his letters and you say, yes, this is what I want. This is what I'm going to subscribe to. And then Paul comes and he's unimpressive and he doesn't speak so great. You think, eh, maybe those letters aren't what they were cracked up to be. No, the letters are where the letters. They're evaluating the quality of the message based on their assessment of the messenger. Right, and but this is where their eyes deceive them. This is where they are Roman through and through in their heads. Do you actually believe in the letters or do you want to be impressed by me? because it's the letters that matter because i'm just gonna die
0: let such a person consider this that what we are in word by letters when absent, such persons we are also indeed when present meaning whatever i paul am you better believe that i'm the slave of jesus christ so don't be fooled by the flesh my flesh is irrelevant but it's a slave to jesus christ which gives it power and animates it and
1: fills it with life for the cause so don't be fooled just assume That when you see me act, I'm acting according to the teaching, and if your brain has a tough time bringing those two things together, work your brain a little bit harder. For we
0: are not bold to class or compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves, meaning I'm not in a competition with people who actually do boast, I'm playing a game here to open your brains up. But when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, They are without understanding. Paul is boasting, but not for Paul. They are boasting for themselves because they don't get it. They could be boasting and saying, Paul boasts and I agree with Paul and I'm gonna boast. But they're just as foolish as the people are saying, Who does Paul think he is to boast? It's the same problem, that's his point. You can't agree with me, you can't disagree with me. You either submit to the divine premise or you don't.
1: When I am boasting, you have to hear me boast differently than those people, because I am boasting according to scripture, according to Christ. I'm not boasting like they are, which is for themselves. But we will
0: not boast beyond our measure, but within the measure of the sphere which God apportioned to us as a measure to reach even as far as you,
1: meaning I am boasting to reach you. I am not boasting to boast. He's only boasting insofar as God has given him license to boast. He's only boasting according to God's will. He is boasting in order to reach you, in order to teach, which means when you see Paul boast, when you see your priest boast, assume that they're boasting according to the will of God. For we are not overextending
0: ourselves as if we did not to reach you, for we were the first to come even
1: as far as you in the gospel of Christ we're not boasting extra for some other reason. There's one reason, one reason alone, why I boast. It's because it's God's will. And God's will is that I teach you this teaching, so I will only boast insofar as it allows you to learn the gospel. So when you hear me boast, it's for you to learn. And if you hear me boast, and you build up your own thinking, which is against the knowledge of God, It is you that's the problem, not me. I'm not doing it wrong, you're doing it wrong.
0: Not boasting beyond our measure that is in other men's labors, but with the hope that as your faith grows, we will be within our sphere, enlarged even more by you. And here Paul is talking like an excellent economos, an excellent manager. He's saying, I'm not going to take credit for what my employees do because no one should take credit but i will benefit as will you from doing the works of god's commandment if the people on the team all do their part the whole team benefits
1: he's talking about teamwork don't forget that in the last chapter he was talking about playing corinth and macedon against each other and then previously he was talking about how wonderful timothy is and how timothy's going to come in and make sure everything is going straight he's not doing it in order to boast He's doing it so that you teach. It's not even to make you feel bad per se. If you come away and you say, oh, I feel terrible. Oh, I feel so sad. That's not his goal either. The goal is that you say, I'm sad. So how can I do the gospel better? He's building a team to preach the gospel. And he's using the people's relative strengths and weaknesses against, but ultimately for each other, so that they all grow and they understand better. So as to preach the gospel even to
0: the regions beyond you, and not to boast in what has been accomplished in the sphere of another. So now he's actually explaining, I'm not interested in bragging to you about Macedonia, but I've got a lot of fire under your rear end we've got to build this team we've got to work together you and the macedonians that's what it means to be a community in
1: god's household and we have to go out there and evangelize i have to create a decent foundation one day i'm going to go i'm going to be dead whatever you think of me but the letters are going to be here the teaching is going to be here i need to make sure that your brains are formed and you can understand what i'm saying otherwise when i'm dead the teaching goes with me but he who boasts
0: is to boast in the lord You perceive my boasting as being favoritism, as being unfair. You perceive my boasting as being haughty. Or you perceive my frailty and ineloquence in person as being weakness because you are looking at the world incorrectly. My weakness boasts in the Lord. The majesty of my letters boasts in the Lord. My harshness towards you boasts in the Lord. My weakness towards you and my kindness towards you boasts in the Lord because my reference is the Lord's commandment. You could try to act out all those different behaviors, but because you are functioning in opposition to the commandment, whether you are arrogant or humble, you are rebelling against God. That's
1: the mind-bending reality of the teaching. When the people hear Paul boast, they must assume that he's boasting in the Lord. What is the teaching for me? How am I going to learn the gospel better from him? How am I going to understand my own shortcoming based on Paul's boasting?
0: Because when you boast in the Lord, the commandment of God commends you. You are credited by the commandment. It's not a credit or a glory that you can revel in, but it is a credit to you because when you submit to God's instruction, all will see your wisdom and
1: all will benefit from your wisdom, even if they reject you. As you're hearing Paul, as you're hearing the priest, as you're hearing the teaching, the boasting is coming to you, not from this person, but from the Lord. For it is not he who commends himself that is approved. Meaning you can sit back in the
0: church and be convinced that you don't need to hear what Father is saying, or worse, that Father's sermon is very interesting, but I wonder if he understands my perspective. This is also against 1 Corinthians chapter 10.
1: So you think that you have something important to say, you're approving yourself, you're commending yourself. What you need to do is listen to he whom the Lord commends, that's Paul, it's your teacher. Submit to the other as a student and you'll then be able to learn the gospel from them. It is not he who commends himself that is approved, but he whom the Lord
0: commends. Thank you very much Dr. Benton. Thank you Father. Heard the Bible as literature Thanks for listening The
1: Bible as literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network